Hello everybody, Jordan here, the PH is silent, and in this episode of the Saturday Morning D&D Show, we talk about, oh gosh, I just did the show, I can't even remember what we talked about. Um, there is a new uh, head of Dungeons and Dragons at Wizards of the Coast, and uh, the delay of Theros, it's going to be delayed by like a month, but the digital version, so we talk a lot, digital version will come out early or on time, June 2nd. So we talked a lot about D&D Beyond. I'm reading The Dying Earth and very inspired by it. And Lucian is playing a lot of Diablo. How do you incorporate Diablo into your tabletop RPG? Let's talk. Hello, everybody. Jordan here. The PH is silent. And welcome to the Saturday morning D&D show. Uh, so excited to be here. I uh, forgot how to do an intro because we skipped a week. Um, but I am here with my wonderful co-host, Sir Lucian, over at Sir Lucian Gaming. Say hello, sir. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. Thanks for joining us. Sorry I missed last week, or I guess we all missed last week at this point, but uh, I'm back. I'm ready. We got stuff to talk about, and yeah. it's good. Yeah, it's really awesome. So uh, we are a D&D talk show uh, podcast, and we just kind of talk about the news of D&D, the games we play, how to become a better dungeon master, and all of the interesting RPG things that we find exciting in the news uh, it's gonna be really, really awesome. And uh, starting off with it, what's going on in the news, Lucian? Or well, first of all, you're healthy, right? Because last week yes. you were a little sick. Yes, it was kind you're of like the better. food poisoning thing. It definitely wasn't, you know, COVID nineteen, COVID twenty, twenty seven, whatever the new COVIDs are gonna be. Uh, it was none of that stuff. Just you know, didn't feel too well. So uh, it was nice to have kind of a, a day off. There it was one of those where you have to constantly monitor how close you are to the restroom not to be graphic oh no but you just like you know you you don't know you want to be close things could get bad you don't want to have a bucket next to you so i thought it was just a good idea just to just to let that run through the system so and you never know you're getting you know food out there it's uh you have to make sure you're cooking uh really well you know i'm as you can tell, the size of Lucian is the size of somebody who goes to fast food restaurants a lot or goes and gets food prepared by professionals. Having to do this for months, you know, every now <laughs> something or you don't cook something enough. And you know, we we started doing meal planning, which is something mm -hmm. I always thought was a chore. Mm -hmm. But if you take literally the like seven to ten minutes it takes to be like, what are we going to eat this week? And then we have, okay, if we're gonna make all of this stuff during the week, we need these groceries and we put the groceries into the app to then go pick them up because we're trying to not go to the grocery store. Yep. But it settles all of those stupid arguments of like, well, what do you wanna have for dinner tonight? I don't know, I haven't th thought about it. Now I'm hungry, oh, the baby's crying. Ah. Instead, we're just like, oh, it's five o'clock. Oh, we're having enchiladas, you start making it. Best thing that we've done, it's yeah. so good. <laughs> so. That's what we were, but as far as uh, Dungeons and Dragons stuff, we did still get to play Dungeons and Dragons. We a little bit of news has trickled out, but we're still in that kind of quarantine mode where we're not hearing a lot of stuff out yeah, there. But I did see you add a few things here or there. Yeah, the you know things are things are delayed, um, yeah. mostly because of travel and stuff. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if we get the uh, Theros book, and then. Maybe they uh, hit the brakes on one project and they're actually like, well, we should do something that's more online based mm -hmm. or just 
full on let's promote Baldur's Gate 3, the video game. I don't know. Uh, it's just kind of like D&D Live is obviously not going to happen. And a lot of other stuff is not going to happen. And so uh, they're just not going to announce it. It's like, oh, we just never really planned that. It's fine. So. Um, yeah, and I imagine we're within weeks of them making a decision on Gen Con. They've got to be. I mean, yeah. the good news is we're hearing, you know, lots of different states across the country are working on their plans for reopening. <laughs> it sounds like every single one of them are, are really, you know, doing their phased plans or, or putting thought into it. It's not just willy-nilly at this point. So Indiana must be starting to make its decision. Indianapolis needs to be making its decision, and they have a convention center. You know, is that going to happen in July? Are we going to be fine to have people in a convention center or is that going to be a, a nix that idea and I, even if they said, yeah. hey we're good to go would you go just knowing how many people are at gen con like uh he, here's what i think gen con is going to want to do the uh the mayor of indianapolis is going to say listen we have to do x y and z to make sure people are safe and so that means that they're going to say we have to cut all tickets by like 50 percent just because we're not allowed to cram that many people like walking through those uh those cellar halls or, or the the room like i mean you're bumping into people all over the place and there's no amount of hey you need to respect six feet between us that's just mm-hmm. it it physically can't happen with the amount of yeah. people that go to gen con and so mm-hmm. the only way I think of it is if they just say, well, your ticket's canceled. We put you in a lottery. You don't you don't get a go or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I don't know if that's how they're going to save Gen Con or if they'll say, nope, we, we're not worried about the virus. We're just going to go ahead and go forward, uh, mm-hmm. which I don't think the state of Indiana and I don't think Indianapolis would do. Normally you'd say, yeah, so. but think of that money too. Think of everything. That's a lot of money. It's any in Indianapolis thrives on Gen Con and every one uh, of those restaurants. Another one. Filled. So yeah. yeah. Like the hotels are full. Yeah. Everything is happening because of that Gen Con. I mean, we were me and you have had hotels out near the airport and those were full. Yeah. And those are a minute drive from downtown where it's packed. And it's just crazy packed. So it's so much money it's crazy so is there some nefarious person who says i need my money they could go online though i don't see any reason why gen con couldn't try to pivot online with their games and online with their merchandise and maybe not everybody has webcams and fast enough internet and stuff i don't know like i don't know you you could hypothetically so uh goodman games they were going to have uh dcc day and they changed that from you were able to go to a local uh, your your local game store and have DCC day and they were going to have all these things and sell cool stuff. And now they have shifted to DCC days and it's going to be this online convention. Uh, I think next month, maybe the month after, but uh, yeah, it's, it's just, I don't know. I don't, I don't see Gen Con happening. Sadly, I'm not really sure. And mm-hmm. knowing my immune compromised household, I don't know if that's safe for me. Like let's yeah. say Gen Con is fine. But I still have to go. I have to jump two to three airports to get to Gen Con. Mm-hmm. And that's the, oh, I walked by somebody. I touched a hand railing. I don't know. Like, I, you can be as safe as you want and it still get infected. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's a crazy year. You got to make those, those decisions. So, that's the world we're living in at the moment. We'll see how it goes. Um, yeah, my job has me traveling quite a bit. And even though that's been cut down now, I mean, eventually that picks back up. Eventually I go back through airports. I was sick 
back in um, January. Yeah, I remember that. And uh, I went through a bunch of airports. The people that I had went to in a training with were sick. Who knows? We could have had it back then. We had no reason to go get tested at this point. Nobody's saying, hey, you should go get tested unless you have symptoms. Well, I haven't had any symptoms, so I haven't got tested. But I could have, who knows? You could have already had it at this point, and you just didn't you know, you didn't have symptoms or it wasn't that bad or it was a cold. I don't remember. Did you ever have any sniffles or dry coughs or any coughs this year? So uh, no, I have been surprisingly healthy this year. All right. So um, you're, it you're is. Uh, yeah. So because uh, mm -hmm. uh, we we had the baby in November and uh, my wife pointed out, a, uh, I think it was a couple days ago where she's like, nope, we survived like the flu from mm -hmm. November and December and January and February, like we were good. And then this hit and we're like, oh goodness. And so it's kind of- yeah, yeah, I got sick for yeah. two weeks and it wasn't terrible life-threatening, but I was sick. But yeah, you were not, mm -hmm. it was not good. So, no, so. Uh, well, on to D&D news. D&D uh, news, ladies and gentlemen, COVID-19 talk show, welcome. Yeah, Mythic Odysseys of Theros is what we have to look forward to at this point. Uh, for those of you who are probably finished reading your Eberron books that had come out, um, this is what we have so far for this year. They said the electronic version is definitely going to be out um, June 2nd, which was their original date. But anything printing wise is pushed back to July. Yeah. So, so what know. do you think about this? Like that's a that's what's the date? Is it? Yeah. June 2nd. And I think mm -hmm. they were saying it was going to be like July 17th or something. So yeah, yeah, I, I understand that it's a pushback. Do you think this is uh Sorry, let me back up. I <laughs> wonder why they don't just put push the electronic one out as well, um, and then pick it up, uh, you know, pick it up later. Uh, or yeah, yeah, so that they release at the same time. Is this a push to get people to play online more? You think, um, or is it like to no. kind of save face of like, well, we said the yeah. second, and here it is. I guess I don't know. Well, in Greg Tito's latest D&D news, he did mention that they're doing, a, and it sounded weird, the numbers they used, but they want you to still pre-order the book from your local hobby shops to support, mostly going out of business because they can't have foot track. They weren't essential businesses. They were shut down. And yeah, and they thrive. those stores thrive on like Magic the Gathering tournaments, and you can't yeah. have people in the store to play Magic, so nobody's buying yeah. cards, and yeah. Yeah, so they were saying they're, they're running, and he said the first 20 that pre-order, which seemed like a really dumb number to me as far as fans of Dungeons & Dragons, 20 of them, they're going to get a code in their pre-order for their book from their regular store that allows them 50% off yeah, I the saw that. online content. So I think they want you to buy the printed book. They're finally dabbling with adding a code into or you get a code with a purchase so that maybe eventually we're moving towards that when you buy the physical book you get also a code for a cheaper pdf so you can have both which we've always talked about in many of our mm. shows why wouldn't i mean many of the other games we play you get a code with the, the physical book you get you can go and download their pdf version dnd has always kind of been really tricky about that and it was for dnd beyond not necessarily the PDF version. Yeah, they and they're still tying in strongly to to D and D Beyond, which they no, that's going to be their online their online marketplace. Like uh, uh, Wizards is smart, Hasbro in general. Mm -hmm. They're like, why if we can get somebody to buy it twice, why why don't we do that? And yeah. uh, I don't like that mindset. I don't think a lot of people like that mindset. But 
uh, I, I'm doing that. Like, <laughs> and, and partially because I'm a content creator for YouTube and I need that, but like, it, it, I really enjoy the physical book on my table and, and over on my shelf and I like having it and that's how I like to read it. I like to flip through it. But when I'm looking up, like what is the magic initiate feat? It's so nice to just type it in, search it up yeah. right there. So I, I don't know. I like these other companies where I just pre-ordered uh, uh, kids on brooms mm. and the pre-order comes with a PDF when it's finished. So I'll get the physical, I'll get the PDF first and then the physical book, everything I seem to kickstart I get the PDF and then I get a physical book. Um, and the the what the excuse that Wizards of the Coast uses, I think, is piracy. They're really scared of piracy, but piracy happens no matter what. And yeah, but, it's yeah. already very rampant. I mean, you can, I'm not, yeah. I don't recommend you doing it, but I think if mm -hmm. you want to find PDFs of any of the fifth edition stuff, you can. They're not like really high it's, quality it's PDFs, but yeah, it's not it's hard. Not no, hard. it is yeah. not hard. So I don't think that's an excuse to use anymore. And I it think has, it certainly making people certainly. to pay for the same content twice is something that I am against but right. here i am doing it because i need access <laughs> to it via D, &D beyond yeah. uh you know and i like i would not that i have those pdfs but like think if i was a youtube content creator and i'm like let me reference that rule and i bring up a pirated pdf to show people and when i was doing ghosts of Saltmarsh prep game prep i had another webcam and i was trying to have the physical book open so people could see the book of what i'm referencing Finally, I just bought it on D&D Beyond so that I could just show you via a web browser. It was so much easier, you know, so. so. And it's yeah. such a fun, D&D &D Beyond, it's grown on me. I really was one of the people that resisted it because mm -hmm. I don't want to pay twice for the same thing yeah. that I have. And it's not necessarily inexpensive. Nope. If you really look at it, this is a kind of a privileged uh, hobby to jump into with D&D where you're buying the books, you're buying D&D Beyond, you're buying your dice, you're buying uh, subscriptions to a VTT, you're paying for your Zoom meetings or whatever so you can host your friends, you know, you're buying miniature boxes left and right, you know, we see Nerd Immersion he has millions of miniatures that he's buying all the time. This is not like just some cheap hobby that mm -hmm. uh, you know you get into a lot of times but I love what D&D Beyond has been able to do. I love being able to go to their website and build characters. I love how it can interface with Roll20 now. Um, and that, just to throw another whole wrench into that whole thing you were just talking about, I've seen several videos on how to use Roll20 on the D&D &D channel. Mm -hmm. So they've kind of thrown their way. I haven't seen any Fantasy Ground ones there. So they've kind of inadvertently thrown their weight behind Roll20 They've thrown their weight. I'm sure there's backdoor down. deals like, hey, yeah. yeah and so, so those yeah. are the three big online products that I think they're running with as far as Wizards of the Coast. So I think I don't think it's necessarily completely official, but I think it's Roll20 is where they're leaning to. D&D &D Beyond is what they want you to use for electronic stuff and then buy their physical books from Wizards of the Coast. And that's their trifecta at this point, I think. So I wouldn't, I, be I wouldn't buy out Roll20. You know, and like we, I, I'm still, well, like not now, but like when we, when we play at the table, I still use my Chromebook and I log into D&D Beyond and there's my character and I play with it and there's blah, blah, blah. But uh, I think the Dungeon Master is the only one that has physical books at our table anymore. And mm -hmm. that is uh, kind of, that's very interesting to me because are the physical books going to become 
just a collect collector's edition kind of thing. You know, it's like I, and, and here's the updated rules because they updated the player's handbook and I have version 1.2, but this is version three because they errata and things like that. And D&D Beyond is always updated. So it's interesting. I don't know. I still like flipping through a book, though, too. I mean, like, but you I mean, like, your you're not referencing it at the table. That's yeah. what I mean. No, no, no. It's yeah. more of like just consuming it. Yeah. And you're just reading through it. You're so that to me it. feels like it's a collector's edition kind of thing. Not yeah. edition, but like you, the collector in me wants to have that full set of books on the shelf. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It makes me interested. Like, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I'm going to get Mythic Odysseys of Theros or... The, yeah, the other nice it. thing about um, D&D Beyond is if I'm in a game with somebody who has purchased it, I then have access to it. So it's been kind of nice because nice. I'll buy I'll buy like Acquisitions Incorporated and then my DM has it. And then the next book, my DM will buy it and then I'll have it. And granted, I can't run a new game using Theros if my DM bought it unless mm-hmm. it's with him. So, you, you know, it separates you that way. But the fact that we're we're paying the monthly fee, we can share books with each other. And so I like that a lot. Uh, this will be interesting because I will get Mythic Odysseys of Theros. And then in July, I'm going to have to, like, really think, do I want a physical copy? And I did this with Wildmount. I have Wildmount on D&D Beyond. And I was like, I don't like this enough to have a physical copy. I, I have access to all the information I need for the Wildmount game I'm playing. Jordan doesn't feel like he will ever run a wild mount game. So I don't feel like I need this. And I don't know. I'm wondering like, aside from like big core books that I want to own, do I really need like is acquisitions incorporated the last physical book I buy? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I bought the Tal'Dorei book and it was okay, but it wasn't enough that when I thought back on it, I was like, I don't know, $49 to go down to my store to buy it. Cause I went and bought the hardcover yeah. copy. It definitely influenced when the last one just came out Wildbound. I'm like, you know what? It's not one I'm going to use very much. So I'm going to save that 40 bucks. I'm going to put it towards something. One of my other games, one of my other Kickstarters at this point, I think the one saving grace of D and D beyond that's allowed it to become more popular is that they have, let groups kind of pool resources because if the policy had been no 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 no, if you want to use it you all have to buy it yeah that would have sunk them i think but yep. because a dungeon master can buy it and then they can share it out to the group that is yeah. playing with it. i bought all the books or all three books the core books and yeah. we played with you know six people at a table just mm-hmm. from jordan buying those books yeah. So I think and that's that's what, that's that what they need to do. And and then you get people in there and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, hey, like I want to run a game. Well, I kind of want to run this like Strahd mm-hmm. game. I'll buy Strahd. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I like it. I it, it helps the hobby. I like to play and we get to play some really fun games. We've got to play really fun games using it. And really right now uh, with Roll20 and D&D Beyond, you can actually roll your dice from your D&D Beyond character sheet and it rolls in roll 20. You can do some cool things. Have you tried it. the alpha of the dice rolling in I D&D Beyond? Yeah, <laughs> I tried that. It was really slow until I enabled hardware like hardware acceleration and then it worked really well. But uh, it's it's an alpha. It really needs a lot of work, but it's kind of cool. Like, I mean, again, if I'm sitting around at a table, it's kind of fun to be like, let me click that saving throw. Oh, I got like a four. And you just tell it to the DM rather. But we all like rolling real dice, so I don't think we're ever yeah. going to use it. But it's it's there. It's kind of interesting. So I don't know. I don't. I'm I'm curious how streamers streamers will utilize that. 
Yeah. So, so I am still buying the physical hard book. I will or pre-order it from my game. I need to drive by my hobby store. I don't even know if they're doing like limited hours. If they're keeping like two or three people in and letting them go, I don't even know at this point. online sales or something. I don't know. Michigan's a lockdown state, so we're like one of those states that wants to stay. Everybody stay in your homes and don't go anywhere type mm-hmm. state at this point. So one of these moments, I'll get down there and see if that's actually happening because I do want that one on my shelf. I like. The artwork that I saw in it looks really good. Yeah. Magic the Gathering fan. I'm going to buy Ravnica was such a good book that I'm willing to give Theros the benefit of the doubt and get it. And I'm sure I'll be happy with that one too. So I think it'd be fun. Uh, Electronic version. I'm sure my dungeon master is probably going to buy it uh, on D&D Beyond, which means I'll get to flip through it. Yeah. So I'll still get it that way. Here's a little tip for all of you out there that are hearing this. Maybe send your dungeon master a dollar or two to help them buy some of those we have. online courses. So. Yeah, we've been we've been just like because they run so many fun adventures for you. It's yeah. it's really I mean or like snacks or something. We bring a lot of stuff, but like yeah, we've just been like here's five dollars. Thank you. Yeah. You know, pull that stuff together. That's help nice. them out. So it's nice. I also noticed, uh, oh, and I put on there, Roll20 had shown some, and it's like how-to videos yeah. that have been restarted. I think that's a little bit of the, not to bring up uh, the Adam Coble thing, but he had done a bunch of their Roll20 stuff back mm-hmm. in the day. They were done well enough that they've sat there for three or four years and then were fine. Um, but at this point, it looks like maybe they're getting redone and they were featured on the D&D actual channels, Dungeons & Dragons, Wizards of the Coast video chat or YouTube channel. So... Um, I just thought that was interesting. You can see Carlos Luna, who seems to be a really cool guy and likes to make those kinds of videos and does a good job at that. And so if you want to learn how to play those, uh, you can go check those out. Those are the, the videos I saw. We The Lord You Should Know was from two years ago or a year ago. And I don't know if it was one they didn't release or if it's a re-release. I couldn't figure out if it was one we had already seen or not. So I didn't put it in our show. Oh, the Acquisitions Incorporated, Laura, you should know. Yeah, because yeah. it was, yeah, because I thought for sure we had already talked about. Yeah, it, it said it was recorded previously in 2019. And I don't know if they just never released it or I think it was a re-upload, but you get dinged for uploading the same content twice. So I, I don't know. Yeah, toss a coin to your DM. Thank you, William. (laughs) That's a good. That's a good. uh, We should we should meme that and and start a trend. Um, Yeah. So yeah, it's that's something a little something to touch on because a lot of people uh, are upset that Acquisitions Incorporated is now Forgotten Realms canon, but I think that's the fun of D and D to me is that you get new canon and you get new. I don't know. Mm-hmm. And and I like the humor of Acquisitions Incorporated. So Yeah, yeah, I but, love it. <laughs> but I yeah, it's 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 interesting. I don't know. So Yeah. It's kind of like Magic the Gathering becoming part of D&D as a whole in the multiverse area. There are a lot of people that are upset with that. And I'm like, uh, there's a place for it. And and like like I've always said before, and you know, if you don't like something, that's not in your game. You're good. Like right. people get stuck on canon for a while and it's like, ah. So. It's okay not to like it. Don't don't try to make everybody else not like it also, but it's okay if you don't like it. You have your yeah. own reasons. I think that's fine. Um, other saw, news yeah, is uh, Ray Winnegar is now head of the D&D team. Um, and he has, uh, he's worked for uh, TSR and he's he's been in the industry for a while. But uh, basically he is Jeremy Crawford and Chris Perkins boss. Um, and I don't think Mike Merles was necessarily their boss before, but like Jeremy and Mike kind of wrote fifth edition uh, rules wise and things like that. And uh, Mike Merles is out. He's gone. He's uh, still at Wizards of the Coast, but he's working in another department. So he's not 
he is working on D&D, but he's not this. I don't know if he's just super heading the Baldur's Gate 3 because he did that interview for Baldur's Gate 3, the mm -hmm. video game. Um, but a lot of people are wondering if this is going to bring about new changes to D&D with uh, Ray Winnegar. If he's going to come in and be like, you know what? We can, you know, people are upset about Counterspell. People are upset about other various things of D&D. We want to take those and fix them. And maybe they'll come out with a D&D 5.5. Uh, much mm -hmm. like they did with third edition, third edition came out. There were a lot of broken things. They revised it. Here's 3.5. This old third edition stuff still works with 3.5. 3.5 just has changes that kind of fine tune the game, make it a little better. Um, and I can't see them releasing a sixth edition, but I can see them revising it. And maybe with a new head of the D&D team, you know, fresh blood, I don't know, that kind of thing. They're going to kind of jump in there and, and do do some stuff that is all speculation just throwing that out there do not do not take that as uh anything any type of anything other than speculation but mm -hmm. it's interesting that mike merles is now gone from the the dnd team has been for for several months now and uh ray is the new he's in he's the new guy so there was an interesting, interesting article out uh that i'll put yeah. in the in the i'll put in the chat and and in the links below but yeah, it's it was cool. Go ahead, sorry, Mr. Rush. Yeah, he definitely has been in the industry. He's been tied to Dungeons and Dragons, Forgotten Realms stuff. It looks like he's been an author. You can definitely look up like he's it's not just somebody out of the blue coming from nowhere kind of thing. But it's not a name that we would we would say is a household name. It's not like we've been seeing a bunch of Twitter stuff that we follow in the D D universe from Wayne Winnegar, you know. So it's interesting that that name has popped up and that's who they chose. Was it because I'm surprised you know, Jeremy Crawford seems to be really the face of D&D &D over there these days that he's not like at the at the top of that. We kind of get the feeling that Chris Perkins wants to step back. I don't feel like if they said, hey, Chris, do you want to take the whole thing over? I kind of almost get the impression he wouldn't like he wants to create, but he also he wants to be a writer. Be I don't think he wants he to be a producer, oversee yeah. a project. And there's a lot of people like that, you know, like yeah. you have producers for I always go back to film because I like film but you have producers mm -hmm. for a film the people that produce a film they're like you know nudging it kind of in a financial way like what's best for the audience what's best for this mm -hmm. while incorporating the director's vision and things like that and I think that you know yeah uh, uh, Chris Perkins he likes being an author he likes doing that and so and I think with the Mike Merles thing that could definitely be an in the background thing where mm -hmm. we noticed they spent all that money on getting their gaming version of Dungeons and Dragons stuff going. We talked, we've talked about articles over the last year or so where they talked about the new studio that we're building, the new games that they're going to be coming out, whether they're MMOs or mobiles or action RPGs or whatever. They, they're really making a big push in that field. And it wouldn't be surprised if they wanted to grab one of their main guys and make him the liaison for all of that material that now is going to be working with four or five different gaming studios mm -hmm on D and D lore and game centric stuff, they need somebody from that team to do that kind of thing. So maybe that is a shift for Mike Merles to move over to that area and be the main D and D source there from wizards. And then that allows them to do all the, all the computer game stuff that they've been telling us. They're and they, and they want to release like at least one PC game a year for, and they yeah. have all these ideas. When I thought dark Alliance was coming out this summer. Maybe it's this fall. But anyway, yeah, I mean, maybe we'll have to start looking for those dates when they start and maybe we'll start seeing more fundamental dates. Like, I don't think I've seen a Baldur's Gate release date yet. No, 
we're hoping for it where we're, we've got some like maybe this or maybe that, but I'm waiting for some real solid dates to start coming out so we can start, you know, bringing that to our eyes. Cause it's all stuff that we're going to play too. Like we play Dungeons and Dragons and if it's electronic form, it's in a game form. Hey, we'll try that out too and play that around. So it's interesting that they bring in somebody new and uh, we'll have to see, are they going to get, you know, new worlds? Are they going to really shift the team? Like you said, are they going to just keep going the same direction they've always been going? which seemed pretty hard to move their uh, their flow because they're two or three years out in their pipeline of how they're creating stuff. So who knows? But uh, you can always shift and stuff. Yeah. Um, another piece of interesting news. Uh, in Wildmount, there was a section called Heroic Chronicle. And uh, this is in the Wildmount book that was that fifth edition, you know, released. Uh, and it's a really cool system where you can, if you're like, I don't really know what to play, you can roll randomly for not a character class, but a backstory. So like what region of Wildmount are you from? What, how does your background tie into that region? And then because of your background and the region you're in, you might have allies or rivals incorporating Xanathar's Guide information that you could then pull on. Uh, there, are, there are a lot of other things that you can do, and it's a really, it's really cool. Like I, I, one of my favorite things about that was was to be able to. And I actually, um, we'll get into this a little later, but I realized in my Wild Mount game, I apologized to my DM. I'm like, I didn't do my homework. I don't know where my guy's from. I don't know what's what is he even doing here. I just wanted to play a wizard, and we started doing this. But like Wild Mount is kind of like the realms where it's so there's a history there. And so I had to, I did, so I rolled on a lot of these and I came up with like where I'm from and, and who I worship and what do I do and things like that. And, and various moments that you have in your life. So, um, you know, for, <laughs> wizards of the coast is like, that's a really good idea. So they incorporated it in the forgotten realms. And so mm -hmm. free on D and D beyond is called heroic chronicles, sword coast and the North. And it's the exact same thing. You roll to see where you're from, how your background incorporates, and then what does that mean? And to the point where I think you can get some extra stuff, like they have, uh, uh, yes, uh, they have fateful moments. So one fateful moment is your character found a massive footprint while exploring the wildness. Looking closer, you discovered a rune stone smashed into the ground. You touch it and you felt a surge of power. And so now, you can cast enlarge reduce once per day using the enlarge option only. And then oh. as a dungeon master, I can you take that and be like, you have this special magic. Let's craft. How did that happen? Maybe you meet the giants. Maybe you're part giant, you know, like, and mm -hmm. so you can actually have, um, there are some, some, uh, physical not physical but there are some uh game benefits to this as well uh and and i i would encourage people to roll randomly i guess because i think it's more fun than that uh than being like well i really want to be able to cast cure wounds i better take this number 12 option uh mm -hmm. so yeah uh, i'll again put links to everything in the show notes and the in the chat and things like that but uh yeah definitely check it out it's really cool and they made a video on it that james j heck did uh or james heck um and it's it's awesome so yeah i thought it was one of the jameses that that had created that was part of you know getting that into wild mount yeah and it seemed to be super popular so it, it is cool. it's, it's really it's cool. cool so i i i think it's really awesome um especially if you have uh so why I think it's so awesome is me for Wildmount. I'm unfamiliar with Wildmount. This helped me 
become familiar with wild mount. I don't mm-hmm. need to read everything and then make a decision. I rolled and I'm like, I'm from Rosona. Let's read up on Rosona. I'm a tiefling from Rosona. That means this. Okay. And you kind of know where you're coming from. Uh, this is the same thing. You don't have to know the entire world. You just have to know what you rolled. And so I like it a lot. Um, Very cool. Yeah. So it was really cool. Yeah. Well, I did add to our notes because there, uh, from what I can tell, there's a huge Twitter war battle going on <laughs> these last few weeks. And I thought it was funny. And it was done in good humor. And you guys are really playing it up pretty well. But the counterspell wars counterspell have been wars, raging. Yeah. Have, have they been decided? Are they still? Are you guys still casting shots at each other? I I think I think it has been decided. <laughs> we'll probably talk about it next next week. But uh, <laughs> no, it, uh, I I learned this is this is kind of a, a topic because Ted texted me this morning. Um, so for those of you who don't know, I made a video saying I don't like counterspell, and here are the five ways I would fix it. Some of them are more complicated than others, but I just this is. I don't like how counterspell looks. Fundamentally, I don't like that you can use your reaction to take away somebody's action. And that sounds really cool when you're a player and the lich is casting a spell and I got rid of his entire action. But as when the lich does it to the player, I mean, that that really sucks as a wizard or a sorcerer Mm -hmm. or a, oh, let me cast heal as a as a cleric to bring our fallen ally back giving him 50 hit points counterspelled counterspelled i don't like that <laughs> um and and it's weird because people got really defensive about it and i'm like but that's jordan trying to help you and mm-hmm. arguably i understand i said here i said it kind of i don't like how it works um and then i made a very complicated way of fixing it but that uh, you have to understand that that's something Jordan wants. That's not something I'm pushing on everybody as right. a player. Um, <laughs> so Ted and I were talking, Ted from Nerdermission, and he said, well, hey, like, I, I want to do the opposite. I kind of like Counterspell, and I like that they have updated it because 3.5 Counterspell was very confusing, and now it's a simple spell. And I was like, and that's what D&D 5th Edition is. Let's make it simple. Let's make it focused, blah, blah, blah. Uh, so... Then we were like, we could do this Marvel Civil War thing. It'll be really funny. So we started Photoshopping things, and it's been fun. Uh, Team Ted has overwhelmingly won. Uh, His video is doing so much better than mine. And I'm getting uh, very angry and, and I will say, terrible comments that I kind of want to just turn comments off on the video. Yeah. I, we started with something that I thought would be funny and it's turned into, uh, people are very mean It's just kind of mean. And I'm so, yeah, this is Jordan being truthful with you. I, I kind of regret doing the whole thing. Like we thought it would be funny, but it's not funny. Ted and I are friends. We're just trying to have a good joke with each other. Uh, but, uh, and we still are friends. It's not like we're fine. It's just the internet is reacting very poorly because when you criticize Dungeons and Dragons fifth edition, there are a lot of people who jump at you. Um, I think it's the same if you criticize, if I were to criticize, uh, wild mount as a campaign setting, I would get huge. Matt Mercer is a God. What are you doing? You know, Mm. people would get very angry. So nobody likes to hear that the thing they like is bad or broken. Mm. Um, I stand by my decision. I still don't think counterspell should have a reaction. Take away your whole action. I think, I think it should be something that a monster could use a legendary resistance to resist or something. I think Mm -hmm. there's a lot of creative ways of using it. Here Um, is Lucian's rebuttal to both. Yeah, go ahead. (laughs) Here's, here's the, the litmus test to it. 
let's put in an ability that's called counterattack. And I can use that ability to stop all attacks happening from the paladin or the fighter. And I mean all of them. So they don't get their yeah, multi Not an AC increase, get, not anything. Yeah, yeah. It's they a reaction really, that I use that says, you are not allowed to, to take the attack action. Yeah, well, you go to so, I can, attack, nope, so I can dash. Yeah, you can dash. You can Actually, dash. you can't dash because you use your action to take right. the attack action, but I stopped it. And, then and it's like, so what can I do? Well, you can move and you have a bonus action. How, what do you want to do? Yeah. Well, I can't move use my bonus action to attack unless I use my act. What? That's not fair. Well, yeah. That's where my brain went when I was listening to exactly. that. And then I was listening and I was like, and and they would jump up and raise pitchforks if that's how the rule worked. Probably. Something yeah. like that. So why does it happen with the magic and not the, you know, any of the other things. So that's that's why I think it's... Important. No, I think that's a good rebuttal, I also yeah. think the idea of the... Um, just thinking of it in terms of the picture you're portraying. I start to cast the fireball. I see the Lich cast a fireball. Mm -hmm. I counterspell him. He sees me casting counterspell. He stops casting fireball for a moment. He casts counterspell to stop me. And then he goes back to casting fireball and hits me in the face with the fireball anyways. And what have I done as a mate? I look like you've, a you have lowered their <laughs> spell pool. And that, and that's that again, that was kind of my yeah. point in my video is like, all that is doing is removing spell slots. And I don't think that makes for interesting combat, you know, yeah. like to be like, well, we counterspelled the hell out of each other. Now all I can do is, is cantrips or I can uh, make a Liaman's tiny hut. You know, yeah, and I did see parry is around skull, but obviously it's only for the first attack. Usually, I don't think there's anybody that parries all your melee attacks. Yes, so like stops your action. Yeah, that's what I mean. So the monk or yeah. So my fighter has three attacks. Parry mm -hmm. would, and parry doesn't stop the attack. It increases your AC. Right. But that is for one of the attacks that you take when mm -hmm. you take the attack action. It's the same thing with shield. A lot of people brought up shield and they're mm -hmm. like, well, I use my reaction to cast shield. Great. I attack you for a 14. You cast shield and raise your AC to an 18. I still have two more attacks that I have a potential chance of overcoming an 18. Mm -hmm. And with counterspell, you don't have that potential thing. I don't, I don't know. That's what I didn't like about it, yeah. but. So yeah. I'm on, I'm on that team. I've had that argument with my team Jordan. Idea. Failing I'm team Jordan. I am. Yeah. I think we're going to kind of jump in the comments and I'm just going to stir them. No. Up. I should just. That's the that last thing I want. No, I think we're. I think we're. I'm going to let it quietly float down the river. Die. And I'm going to make. I'm going to make a couple. I'm not going to remove the video or anything because I stand by my opinion. But like, man, people were really mean. Like I have not. And maybe it's because I've not done something controversial in the D&D community before, but I was I was really surprised at like there. Mm -hmm. I mean, not death threats, but people were like, I'm never going to watch some of your videos again. And like, wow. I'm like, OK, like that's your prerogative. Sorry, like you, you don't and, and you don't have to tell me that you can just not like, not I don't do know. It. But <laughs> oh, yeah, it was it was a revelation, was, revelation yeah, for Jordan. My so. favorite part of it was knowing that you and Ted are friends. Oh, yeah. Uh, we, we staged the whole thing. This, yeah, he's like, I'm going to make a counter yeah. video because I think it'll be funny. Ted yeah. saw my point of view. Anyway. I love the the photoshopped uh, Civil yeah, War. Yeah, that was fun. One of my favorite <laughs> movies of all time right now. So I loved it when I saw it. I was like, you know, Team Iron Man, Team Captain <laughs> <laughs> Um Very cool. Very some, cool. some good news, if you guys are interested yeah. in the Forgotten Realms. Uh, Humble Bundle currently has a Dungeons & Dragons, Wizards of the Coast, or Dungeons & Dragons, Forgotten Realms, uh, uh, ebooks for real cheap. 
and it's a lot of uh, it's a lot of drow related books. So they have the Dark Elf trilogy, War of the Spider Queen, a lot of Dritz books, and then War of the Spider Queen is amazing. I really recommend that one. Um, and I haven't read uh, Sacrifice to the Widow, which is the Lady Penitent. Mm-hmm. Penitent uh, by Lisa uh, Smedman. Um, so you, I'll put a link again, lots of links today, but you should definitely uh, keep, um, you should definitely check these out if you like Forgotten Realms books. A lot of them are really fun to read and it's super cheap. I think you get a dollar to get, uh, what is it? Six books. That's awesome. $8, you get more, you know? So for a dollar, you can read a lot. Like that's awesome. You know, so. support those authors, support those book companies. Yep. I mean, everybody, it's all good content. You're going to enjoy it. It's stuff you can incorporate mm-hmm. in your games or it can spin off to new ideas. Inspire or you, you if anything, stuff. if you like yeah. D and I think you'll really enjoy those books. Um, yeah. They're not that they're, they're written for 15 year olds, maybe, but like 30 year old Jordan still really enjoyed them. So mm-hmm. there you go. Um, a lot of times humble bundles. Um, and they go to charities and charities. stuff. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so that's the other thing is you're supporting. It's at the very bottom. I think it's extra life. Yeah. Extra life. Yeah, so okay. you're supporting extra life by doing this. <coughs> Sorry. And a tickle in my throat. Uh, you're supporting extra life. So that's really awesome. So yeah. COVID-19. Check it out. Um, finally, uh, I just threw this on here. Uh, Zoom is what a lot of people use to do the conferencing uh, software to play D&D. Mm-hmm. Um, Google is trying to combat with Zoom. The two of them are just like fighting for, you know, whatever streaming space. I don't know. Because who owns Zoom? Is it Microsoft? Microsoft owns Zoom. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, Google Meet is replacing Google Hangouts and you had to buy it up until like a week and a half ago. Uh, It is now free. So. I haven't Try tried it. Google Meet. I was actually going to bug you, Lucian, after the show. We should like have a Google Meet and sure. see if I. This is, is Zoom right now. Yeah, we're this is Zoom we're in Zoom right now because that's the default the, of like what you use to stream. But if I could use Google Meet, uh, I just want to see what the layout properties are and if we could sure. potentially use it. It could be really cool. Um, so anyway, Google Meet is free. But moving on, we've talked a lot about news. Moving on to Bardic Inspiration, uh, which is. How have you been inspired in the last week or two weeks? Uh, but uh, Lucian has a really good one. So what what have you been doing, Lucian? What's inspired you with Yeah, Well, Diablo? if anybody's been tracking me online stalker-wise, because, you know, I'm still waiting for my first stalker. It hasn't quite happened. I'll get, you <laughs> you know, don't know, uh, because then they're status. at your house, and it's not, no, yeah. you don't want that. Then it's that. not fun. But, you know, until then, it's all, you know, this great. <laughs> but uh, so if you've been watching me, you might have noticed that I've been playing a ton of Diablo 3. A friend of ours was playing. We didn't realize they even liked games. And when I found out that they liked games, like, hey, we should play a game together. He's playing Diablo 3. We jumped into Diablo 3. All my friends are playing Diablo 3. And now for the last two weeks, nonstop, every night we play Diablo 3. It's been really fun. And it brings me back around to always thinking about Dungeons & Dragons because I did try it. We've had this talk before when in Seeking Revenor, I found a supplement that was written by um, uh, some of the guys from Monty Cook Gaming um uh reynolds uh, i'm trying to remember his first name up there he wrote the strange but he did a supplement for ad and d that was for diablo when it had just come out i mm-hmm. think it was like diablo 2 that you could play in dd so i had a bunch of tables to do random magic items and it had the monsters and it had the maps and those kinds of things so you could you could actually play diablo in advanced dungeons and dragons it was kind of cool well i tried to incorporate that into Seeking Revenor, but it was kind of clunky. It was kind of hard to do, and I was trying to convert it to 5e, 
And the 5e problem is when you introduce lots of magic items, what happens to your campaigns, Mr. Dungeon Master uh, Jordan? Oh man, you, you give your players, your players a, a flying carpet, carpet and then everything is just... <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's right. Rings of invisibility. That's right. You have, okay, so we're going to say the Shadowfell only allows you to use your carpet an hour a day because that was dumb of me to give you that. Yeah, yeah. it's you. they get real powerful real quick. So 5e is really built around your characters, your abilities, the things you're doing, and, and magic items are kind of a, a lost thing in the game if you don't want to overpower. So you might get one or two, but DMs are really stingy on them these days. There's not a lot of super powerful ones in, in most of the games I've played in. Mm-hmm. But it still drove me to think about how could we play a TTRPG that's based around Diablo and the core function of this tabletop that makes it different than the others is loot. We want loot explosion. And what I want is that they go through an adventure and they collect so much loot that between the next, from the end of the session to the start of the next one all week long, they're thinking about which piece of loot they're actually going to use and move around and do something with. And it gives them something to invest in until the next session. We go through the next session and there's more loot explosions and everything. Because the one thing that drives the popularity of Diablo-like games like that is that big explosion of loot and gold all over the ground when you're just mowing through monsters and stuff and things like that. That's what brings them back hour after hour, character after character to play in that game. The storyline's great. The voice acting's great. But you're there to get the loot. And you're, you come back next week to get more loot. So... I was wondering. You should play a bard if you want all this loot. Jokes. We're here for the jokes, ladies and gentlemen. And the dad jokes. All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome (laughs) back to Dad Talk. So could we design a TTRPG based in a D&D world that is all about the loot explosion? So I think the way you would have to do it, you guys can battle me in the comments on this one or give me your ideas in our comments on the video when this gets posted. If we dropped everybody's scores down, to just, you're at 10, so there's a base zero. You have no proficiency skills. You just pick something up and you use it. Only bonuses are coming from the weapons themselves would allow you to then more focus on having cool weapons. And maybe weapons have skills on them or that's how you acquire new and different, interesting synergic skills. You want a fireball that you want to be able to cast maybe it comes from an item that you finally loot at some point you want a uh, cast invisibility spell maybe it's from some piece of armor that you happen to put on that lets you do it once per combat or once per day or whatever it might be so these are the things that are giving you those things and pull them away from the character could that be a fun game i don't know maybe maybe you're not it doesn't necessarily have to be dnd 5e but i think it could be because we're so familiar with the system that we can goof around with the mechanics of it a little bit here and there but that was what i was thinking about how do you make a loot explosion version of a tabletop game you have to keep that core component and everything else you can change to make work but you have to have the loot explosion mechanic uh you know what game you know what game you're thinking of that you don't know exists but it's out there it is uh written by our friend ben at uh questing beast and it is called nave And there are no classes in Knave, but if you pick up a sword, you can use that sword. And the magic, you're expanding upon it basically by making a lot of things magic items. But if you pick up a spell book, then you can use that spell book to do spells. So everyone's like, there are no classes, but based on the equipment you're wearing, 
kind of mm. builds the class that you want. And so I yeah, have this and I have that. So uh, it's very, it's, I mean, Ben is very, he's all about simple systems mm -hmm. and OSR stuff, uh, old school Renaissance yeah, RPGs. Super smart guy. Um, and he, yeah, he's really, uh, Ben's great. Talk his ear off. He's awesome. But mm -hmm. he, uh, yeah, he, he likes the idea of like, oh, I can't like, or he doesn't like the idea of like, oh, I can't use this sword because I chose this class and it's not about that. It's about, you know, you pick stuff up. So uh, it's a, a list of a hundred levelless spells he has in that in that thing. So Nave, Nave's really cool. I yeah, I bought it. It's yeah. super cheap. It's like three dollars. Yeah, yeah. So that was mine. I figured you guys can help me um, get ideas how I run a game like that. Uh, maybe you're already running a game like that and you've done it. Oh, and the thing that I would think would really make that style of game sing is a D and D Beyond style app that did all the generation of the cool name yeah, items that'd be cool. things that had all the stats on them. And so you could just hit a button, you get like 20 things, you give them to your players. And then over the next week before the session's going, they're looking at what things they want and what things they want to slot. And they have like, they can only slot so many of certain things and they have certain limited space to carry stuff. So it adds in all those really cool decisions because you want them agonizing. Should I use the sword of undying or should I use the axe of betrayal? Because it has this thing. You want them thinking about the game all week long and making those choices and then come back for the next session. So yeah, that was my idea. I see you have one written down, which looks pretty interesting. It seems like one we've heard before somewhere. Tell me a little about yeah. it. Yeah, um, I've, I've been reading books a lot uh, and <laughs> Uh, I, I wanted to read the old appendix N, appendix N um, which is uh, the inspiration for D&D. Um, and it's been kind of fun because we didn't have D&D until the 70s, but there were a lot of science fiction authors because science fiction sold, but they kind of wrapped science fiction into fantasy um, because they didn't. I don't know why we always got them wrapped together. So it was science fiction and fantasy. And so I'm reading these old science fiction books called The Dying Earth by Jack Vance. Vance is where we get Vancey and magic, which is fifth edition magic systems. Uh, actual, well, Dungeons and Dragons magic systems are Dungeons Vancey and, and magic. Yeah. Pathfinder and all that stuff. Where you, you study a spell, you put it in your head, and when you cast it, there's a chance to lose it. And that's where spell slots come from and things like that. Memorize um, spells. Yeah. You memorize spells. And spells are almost like living things in your brain. And so I'm reading these books. Uh, the first book is actually a collection of short stories that, that Vance wrote for... Uh, magazines and then they bundled them into the first book and then he wrote like two more books after that or maybe three um but uh they're really fun i'm really enjoying uh i'm really really enjoying um these uh short stories and they're they're super fun mostly because i like magic we all kind of know that about jordan uh i also like that there are uh wizards everywhere and magic is also weird uh, and that's dumb. Okay, let me use my words. Magic is uh, a reflection of you. So uh, when you capture, when you learn a spell, like if Lucian's a wizard and I'm a wizard, Lucian casts magic missile and it comes out like shining darts of whatever. When I, when he teaches that spell to me, I learn it. And then when I cast magic missile, it's like, I don't know, skulls shurikens. or shurikens um, or something. Yeah. So. Uh, it, it's the same spell, but it's got a different twist. And the, the way I like to think about it is like, we, we both know English, but Lucian's handwriting is very different from mine. And, mm -hmm. and so we kind of have 
we, an idea that magic is is part of who you are and you can tell who a wizard is by the way he casts spells. Like um, and that spells are living things. And so I want to incorporate that into my D&D 5e game and maybe not have... Uh, I don't. I like the idea of like, we know that it's fireball, but we also know that that is so-and-so's fireball. And if you mm-hmm. could do an espionage type of game where people are are figuring out the thumbprint of magic, like, hmm, who, where did this come from? And not necessarily I made a new spell, but like you're, you're back and forth. And so then it got me thinking of like, well, why don't we do a wizard centric game where everybody's a wizard? That would be kind of interesting. Uh, or they ride brooms. Maybe. There you go. And they have a game called Kids on Brooms. Quidditch. Quid- eh, Quidditch. Maybe. Quidditch. <laughs> uh, but and well, that's actually a good segue. Uh, <laughs> Harry Potter is not fancy in magic. Right. They don't get they don't drain the magic that they they exp- they just can cast spells willy nilly. So it's a very different system. It's interesting. Uh, Jack Vance's take on magic because it works so well with a that is a resource that I need to you know watch out for. Whereas in Harry mm-hmm. Potter, a lot of that I think about like, well, how does that work? Uh, and now that we're going to have that kids on brooms supplement coming out for kids on bikes, it's interesting to think that is a better system for it where magic is not a resource that can go away, you know? Um, mm-hmm. So my thought was, what if you started a game where everybody gets the magic initiate as a starting feat? So mm-hmm. like, yes, I can be a bard or a warrior or this, but everyone has that underlying magic. And the the short story I'm reading now is that uh, it started with everybody's at a uh, tavern and they're kind of showing off the spells they can do. And this guy can make fireworks and this guy can make his hand disappear. And this guy can do, it's all very little stuff, but like everybody studied magic in some fashion. And I think that's kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. And so I want to, I want to do a high magic setting. That's not necessarily Eberron, but, but something, something where everyone's kind of dabbled in it. It would be yeah, actually, I should do an old forgotten realms game about the Netheril mm-hmm. where everybody did kind of know magic. There yeah, were yeah. the high wizards, but there was also the people that are like, I animated my broom to sweep the deck, <laughs> you know? Cause what is popular? A lot of people like to do low magic settings. They like yeah. to kind of tone that stuff back. You get really cool Conan settings. You mm-hmm. get sword and sorcery settings, but that's kind of low magic. You get OSR feel is still out there because people want that low magic. But every yeah. now and then it's it's fun to think about, well, what if we go the other direction, just one little notch? What if we went a little bit high magic system and now it's more prevalent? What? How does that change the world? How does that make things different? And I like the idea. Yeah, we all have these little magical things that we can do. We're all magic users in some form. We can still do all these other cool things, mm-hmm. but it's just magic is a part of our world. Completely. Yeah. Just like technology is so intrusive in our world. It's like everybody having smartphones. This is a magic world where everybody has access to magic. You know, yeah. and it's just, yeah. we use it to do all kinds of We've things. Un- we understand the internet as a thing. I know how to access mm-hmm. the internet. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I don't, I, I anyway, I, I'm really enjoying these books. I actually uh, have it sitting next to me and I was gonna go read in the sunshine for a little bit after this, but uh, they're, they're fun. Um, and, it's an older book from the fifties uh, or the writing is from the 1950s, but uh, he does something that I think is really great to do in RPGs, which is you 
explain that a character exists, but you don't necessarily like, there's no backstory. So a lot of times he'll say like, oh, that is, uh, and I'm making this up because I can't remember it, but like, oh yeah, over there in that dark castle on the bridge, blah, blah, blah. That is Stan the Unknowing. And it's like, well, why is he called that? Oh, I don't know. You know, and like nobody really, but that's his title. And it's, yeah. there's something there, but like, mm -hmm. we're not, we're not necessarily going to visit Stan the Unknowing. We have to go over here to like, you know, Joshua the Brave or something. And yeah. every, every, it's all about titles and like, it's, mm -hmm. it's kind of fun. I like that a lot. It so. does remind me what you're saying too, is like three weeks ago, because we missed last week's show, we were just finishing up our show and I said, Hey, I'm going to go watch Onward. Oh yeah. Out. So I did watch it and you were like, Oh yeah, go it's watch so it. good. Isn't it? <laughs> and I was like, yeah. So that's kind of like what we're talking about too. A little yeah. bit, is that you're right. It was that very magical world that was there at that time. And yeah, maybe it moved on and we're in the technology and stuff, but it was a cool story. If you haven't seen onward, definitely go see it. Jordan was correct. Very fun movie to watch and very lots of D and D stuff in it that you can pick up if you're a big D and D fan, which was, really Oh my fun. gosh. So, the giant Cheeto me killed me. Like the giant <laughs> yeah. Cheeto just killed me. I'd laugh so hard. Um, another cool thing about the dying earth is that it is apparently earth. Uh, the sun yeah. is red because our sun has grown and so dying. big and it's dying. Like literally we have a red dying sun mm -hmm. and, uh, the remnants of earth, uh, if you did, and, and that's kind of the fun, why, why I think it makes another really good RPG setting is like you go out and dig and you find past civilizations and ancient magical devices and maybe it's technology, mm -hmm. maybe it's not. Uh, but yeah, the, the earth literally is dying and we have this great that's heat death about, of the universe. And yeah, I don't that's know. what I loved about Numenera too, because you mm -hmm. were in the ninth iteration world, of, yeah. Yeah, of, of earth and it has grown and been destroyed grown and, and and gone dormant grown and gone dormant civilizations and all kinds some with mm -hmm. humans some without humans humans were gone for a while and then they come back yeah. and was very much like that and that's that was the one little thread that i loved about that world just like you're saying in undiner it is earth how did this happen what mm -hmm. has made this happen and why can these things happen and we relate to that because it's our planet it's kind of cool so very cool yeah go check out that vancy and definitely tell us in the in the notes down below if you've been reading vancian novels what you think of vancian magic other magic systems you've seen yeah. that are really fun um i actually found cool. uh a dying earth rpg that they made um mm -hmm. it's ten dollars on drive through rpg and i think i'm gonna buy it just to i just i'm just curious about how they do it but it's other games it's yeah. it's not a supplement to play dying earth with D D 5e or third third edition no, or anything like this game, right? this was a, a a solo rpg based on the works of him so i'm kind of or yeah so i'm kind of curious i think it came out in 2000 um but uh yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna check it out it's it's really Very interesting cool. just to just to see what it what's up just want to <laughs> know i'm so thirsty for more dying earth stuff i really enjoy it um yeah yeah Look at the time already. It's crazy. We got to do, I get a minute wrap up here. You got a minute wrap up. I'm going to do mine really quick. <laughs> yeah, go ahead and talk. I'll talk next week. I'm, so we I'm played Waterdeep uh, Act Inc. Uh, was on our Tuesday night. The one thing I wanted to bring up DM centric wise is I'm using this Gloomstalker ability, which is the um, ability for if you rely on dark vision, you mm. cannot see my character. I appear as invisible to them, those for those that rely on dark vision. So that's already come up now as we've done a couple of night raids in our game. And I'm starting to see my dungeon master's eyebrows start to raise yeah. as I'm getting, you know, advantage because I'm firing arrows from a hundred yards away 
in the, they, there's no way they can see me, even if their dark vision went that far. And even if I could be 10 feet from them in dark vision, they still wouldn't see me. So that's going to come up at some point. I'm waiting for the, the GM nerf on that, the dungeon master nerf. I'm ready for it if it happens, but hopefully I'm getting away with it at the moment. And it's been super fun. So gloom stalkers are super cool. Bugbear Gloomstalker been a really fun character. To play oh yeah, Bugbears are fun to play, yeah. Um, I love it. So what did you get to do in a brief, give us a little recap before you shut us down. Yeah. What were you doing game-wise? Oh, uh, lot, you know, lots of things. I, I'm still playing my Weird and Wild game, which is mm -hmm. uh, this supplement for, uh, it's system neutral supplement. Um, and uh, my my guy survived a magic mushroom infestation, so now I'm I'm not losing my intelligence and I'm gonna die. But this is a low magic, low survivability game, and we have to we have to get rations. We can't actually heal exhaustion until we go back to a town and rest in a bed. Um, so there's a lot of things. It's it's been interesting. I don't know if I would use this for fifth edition D and D again. But mm -hmm. I like the idea of using this system if I play Hot Springs Island again, because the idea uh, that I can uh, you you can roll d sixes to see if you harvest rations from a monster. So if I wanted to re-roll, like we we didn't play Hot Springs Island very like hard and fast like that. But if I wanted mm -hmm. to play d or uh, Hot Springs Island again, maybe using another game, uh, not D and D fifth edition, where mm -hmm. Rangers can just like find food automatically kind of a thing it would be cool to incorporate some of these games into that use nave so. i could use nave yeah oh, that'd be good. that would be well that would be fun yeah because you find all weird cool magical items it'd be really interesting yeah you should that'd pick up nave good. it's good um good. wild mount i'm having a good time uh josh a my wizard from ben <laughs> oh there you go uh my wizard josh a is uh crafting his own spells that's kind of what I'm working on now. Oh, I'm working with my dungeon master to craft some custom spells. So far, it's going to be one where I can enlarge my familiar and write it around like a mount. My familiar Wait, being a, name? a piggy bank. My familiar, or my familiar's name is Penny. Yes. But what's your wizard's name? My wizard name is Josh A. So you're going to say Josh A's Josh A's familiar. Yeah, enlarging familiar or something like that. I'm going to give it a fun name. I've been working on it. Billock, it's good. Snowballs yep. or whatever. So I'm going to have a... A, a titled spell for my wizard uh having nice. a lot of fun with that every wizard should have a titled spell yeah um and then if you if you're not watching rod of seven parts you really should it's really fun we're having a blast uh lots of really good gameplay creative stuff going on people trying to figure out what's going on they're climbing a mountain to infiltrate a giant wedding looking for the last rod piece they met a dragon they met um, some ask. elves that are flying around on a magic carpet it's kind of interesting so they have six pieces they have found two pieces they're looking for the third oh but there are seven parts they do have a long way to go, seven parts. Yeah. yes yeah okay yeah they are they are slow so i'm surprised lucian you're not listening to the show no i'm kidding yeah <laughs> anyway uh rod of seven parts it's wednesdays on twitchtv.nerdimmersion you should or slash nerd immersion you should come hang out with us uh recaps are on my patreon as an audio podcast or they're on uh youtube and you can search rod of seven parts and i believe you will find it uh yeah anything else you would like to talk about before we leave since we're two minutes I, over it just i'm certainly me. could talk for another three hours just on stuff but me. i know you like to stop on time and we have a one hour show on saturday morning so that's our show folks take us away Jordan. uh thank you guys so much for coming out thank you for likes reviews shares getting the word out about the podcast um i was wondering if people are confusing us with another live play I, or not not another show but like 
do people think the Saturday morning D&D show is a live play rather than a talk show? So, because uh, I saw some people on Twitter looking for, like, is there any podcast where people talk about D&D? And we're like, well, that's us. Uh, and I wonder if people don't think that. So, you know, spread the word. If people are interested in that, drop drop them, point them to our Twitter, let them know. Uh, we would love wow. to, uh, yeah. Oh, thank you, Victor. Victor said, uh, my DM prepare videos have been a thrill to watch. Uh, yes, news on that. Tomorrow will be the last time that I stream the DM prep videos on YouTube because uh, YouTube is not the place to live stream. Uh, people don't like it. It's kind of hurting subscription numbers. So I'm going to continue to do it, but I'm going to do it on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Jordan with a PH in the middle. Uh, you should subscribe, follow there, and I will continue to do it. Um, I don't know if I will upload them to YouTube. We'll we'll, we'll think about it, but that's, that's other news. Anyway, uh, love you guys. You're very awesome. We will see you next week with another episode of the Saturday Morning D&D Show. Goodbye. Our intro and outro music is 8-Bit March by Twin Musicom, licensed under Creative Commons. Check out their website at www.twinmusicom.org.